Hey, welcome to Gig News this morning. We got Joe from Driven Wild. What's going on, man? What's going on? We got Leo here. That's Leo. And from Real Rideshare Stories, and uh, also uh, a contributor to Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy, Chris. What's going on, man? Not much. How you doing? Good. As soon as I start, now it's sending a bad signal. Actually, you know what? I got a VPN. Hang on. That's that'll help. It's probably gonna help, but I'll we'll be right back. The struggle of going live with uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there's always something that's going on, yeah, yeah. So, where are you from, Chris? I actually never asked that question, I never actually <laughs> asked that question, no matter if I was watching on Rideshare Guy or Real Rideshare Stories. I'm based <laughs> right now out of Buffalo. You came all the way from Buffalo just to be on live with us. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All three of us are from New York State because, like, yeah. I'm from the Albany area. Chris is way out west, and Joe's from Long Island. Yeah. So it's like somebody from like Plattsburgh or something. <laughs> Got to get the tri- get all the areas. Yeah. We just need uh, one guy from New York City, and then we got a whole quadru- a well, quadru- quadru- from New York control. City. Yeah. There? was in Brooklyn. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in the Bronx, too, for about a year. What made you move all the way up to Buffalo? That's where, where I'm from. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you actually left. All right. Well, story time. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling these guys off camera, uh, I got to be somewhere, so we got to make this a little episode than usual. Anyway, so this is the big news of the day. Seattle City Council passes pay-up bill raising wages for certain gig workers. There actually isn't a whole lot to say on here, so I'm just going to read the most important parts. Seattle City Council on Tuesday took the first of several planned steps to improve wages and working conditions for app-based workers, unanimously passing the pay-up bill, increasing wage and mileage requirements for on-demand gig workers. Uh, The bill, co-sponsored by council members Lisa Haribold and Andrew Lewis, requires companies to pay per minute and per mile rates to delivery drivers on apps like DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Grubhub, beginning when drivers accept an order. The new requirement, which goes into effect in 2023, is designed to allow contractor uh, contract workers to earn the city's $17.27 minimum wage and receive the standard mileage reimbursement set by the IRS. Payup has been in the works for about a year with gig workers, companies, labor advocates, and council members debating the way forward. Tuesday's bill scratches the surface of the ultimate plan. We know that the app-based work is one of the fastest growing sectors in our economy with more and more workers turning this type of work and not receive turning to this type of work um, and not receiving the protections of basic labor standards. Harebold said Tuesday passes this legislation would help tens of thousands of delivery drivers make ends meet while maintaining their flexibility in future legislation. Harebold Lewis and others on the council want to regulate deactivation from apps and establish discrimination protection, restroom access, and their labor standards among gig workers, which I don't know why they didn't just include in this one, but all right. And I have a, a like a twofer here. So I'm just going to read this op-ed. This is from the Washington Policy Center. I don't really know much about this organization, um, but this is basically a counterpoint to the um, – it's basically exactly – what I think. So I'm just going to read this. It's pretty short. Seattle City Council continues its war against flexible jobs in the gig economy. Uh, Seattle City Council has passed legislation. Yeah, we know that. On the surface, this looks like it will help raise the standard of living for delivery workers. History shows this will not be the case. And what many consider to be a predictable outcome, the minimum wage law that the city of Seattle Council passed 
in September of 2020 has forced Uber and Lyft to raise prices on riders. Initial estimates indicate Uber would raise prices as much as 25% and could end up raising prices as much as 50%. A similar increase in customer prices is likely to, likely to ensure to cover the additional costs for the 17 per hour minimum wage. Less orders will be fulfilled and gig workers will have less work. Ironically, the food being delivered will be less affordable to the very people delivering it. Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and other transportation networks in the gig worker economy are successful because they provide a market-driven, convenient, needed service at low cost. The city's involvement is an overreach as gig work uh, service costs and wages should be market-driven. Yeah, I agree. The advent of gig economy services has provided millions of Americans with more cost-effective transportation of cheap food home delivery. The free market solution has increased the consumer more has increased the consumer man this guy didn't write this very well and acquired a personal service that fits his or her unique needs services like doordash and uber eats have been invaluable uh during the pandemic to provide cost-effective food delivery and much needed income for workers unable to make full-time due to government mandated lockdowns the increase in minimum wage will translate directly to increased costs for services yep with Seattle's new increase to raise the minimum wage, the only winners are bureaucrats and politicians, not Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, or Uber Eats, and certainly not their employees or the riders that use their service. All right. So that was a mouthfeel, mouthful. Um, sorry that it took so long. But, um, you know, pretty big news, and it's been reported by everybody. And I know most gig workers uh, – well, I, actually, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I think most gig workers are kind of left-leaning, but it's just kind of like – I think the ones it's just kind of squeaky wheel getting the grease is when you're on Twitter, when you're in Facebook and Reddit groups is that the people that are pro pay up and all these minimum wage, you know, AB five type policies, they're the ones just making the most noise for it. So people, you know, if you're like, if you're like to the right of Bernie Sanders in general, you know, you're not really making a lot of noise about this kind of stuff other than just kind of like me, like poo pooing it when it passes. So, um, you guys had the floor. What was your reaction to this? I'll let Chris go first. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, right now, to me, the gig economy is kind of like this onion, and you're peeling back the layers, seeing what's working and what's not when it comes down to everything. So, you know, it started off, you know, 10 years ago or so, you had pretty much rideshare. And then, you know, food delivery and that came into being. Uh, so I think what it originally started with with rideshare, you know, you're getting paid good. And then they started scaling back. Then you have these other places come in and you have people complaining about, you know, not being able to make enough, you know, not being able to uh, pay for different things. And then you have other people who are saying, I make two, three, four thousand dollars a week. Um, so I think this it's this weird navigation that kind of everybody has to kind of figure out. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of overcorrecting here. So I think it's good to have, you know, these wage set limits uh, designed to make sure that they help drivers and delivery drivers when they're actually out there. Um, just because, you know, some people might not be able to make the money, um, you know, it could have a very big impact, though. Uh, when it comes to people using these services to order, I mean, we—I don't know if you saw, but that twenty-dollar uh, what was it, a twenty-dollar Starbucks order for a coffee or something um, mm -hmm. on one of these services? Like, how is that sustainable to begin with? Um, so, yeah, there, there's this, there's a lot of things that are that are moving, and I think there's this weird fabric that needs to be figured out before you know everybody's really happy. Yeah, what do you think, Joe? 
I think a lot of people in the gig economy have always shouted from the rooftops pretty much on the concept that they want the flexibility and the ability to make the money that they want to make. And I don't think unions are ever the answer to that, unfortunately. Um, do I think that there are some benefits that come from ha being in a union? Absolutely. But most of those benefits are said most of the time, but never followed through upon. So honestly, I'm more concerned about the follow through on a lot of these promises that they keep pulling out. And yeah, I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, this wasn't a pro union thing. Exactly. I mean, it was just setting a minimum wage, but my question would be, cause like what people are doing, I, I guess in California with prop 22 is that if you turn Grub, Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash on all at the same time, can you triple dip? Can you collect three times the minimum wage? Like how do they coordinate how do they coordinate that would be my question. Because if you can triple dip, what is to stop anyone from turning on the big three plus, you know, Instacart and all these other apps? And then you could quadruple dip, like getting the, the minimum wage. Like, how does that work? They don't explain it very well in the bill or at least not in the news story, I should say. So well, I'll be curious. It didn't sound, though, that they were doing it for just being online. It sounded like they were doing it once you accepted an order. That's the moment you start getting paid until you complete the order. So when you're going to the to the restaurant to pick it up, when you're going to the customer house, you're getting paid for all that, but not when you're signing on waiting for an order to come in. Yeah, it's the yeah. difference between active time and uh, online time. Well, you know what people are going to do is they're just going to take their time making a delivery because <laughs> if you're getting paid that like, why would you be in a rush? Because as soon as you complete the delivery, now you're back to idle time. You know, yeah. why, why not just uh, get rid of your car and just walk the order? <laughs> Don't worry, Dylan, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure this, this story and like, you know, everything Seattle does, it, you know, makes the news and uh, this is just the first of, I'm sure other, like they, they said in the article that they're going to have other, uh, uh, legislation and regulation in the works. So, you know, and that's my personal concern. Like, will it eventually go into being in a union and starting yeah. to develop that type of regulation where, that minimum is coming from the union, not so much coming from the companies. Yeah. Um, that's what's a, uh, you listen to Steve Johnson and Ryder audio. He's been talking about this for a while. Let me change the here. That's not it. I got to fix that. Anyway, moving on, let's talk about Grubhub or specifically just eat takeaway. Go dude. Whoops. Why isn't this? What is going on here? Is my uh, video lagging? There well, we go. Your are. video is... Okay. okay. There we go. I don't know what's taking so long. All right. So this is from the Times of London. Just the takeaway to, wait, to wipe 5 billion pounds off Grubhub valuation. Uh, I'm just going to call it Jet. Jet's sale of Grubhub has been thrown into disarray as bosses prepare for a multi-billion pound write-down on the U.S. business and what could go down as one of the tech sector, tech sector's most disastrous deals. Yeah, I agree. 
Bankers from Bank of America have the task of finding a buyer or strategic partner for the American food delivery operator, which Jet bought for $7.3 billion, 5.8 billion pounds, less than a year ago. Eversource has said Grubhub was being offered to potential bidders at a fraction of that amid a global tech stock sell-off and may not find a buyer at all. It is the latest crisis for the takeaway giant, which has suspended a senior executive and is seeking a new chairman. We talked about that uh, like a month ago. Multiple sources said expectations for the sale have been slashed to as low as 1 billion pounds after it failed to drum up significant interest from any strategic buyers. A number of private equity firms are understood to have expressed interest, but it is not known if there have been any serious approaches. Um, and then they just kind of go into the history of, you know, what's going on with Jet and Grubhub for the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I kind of agree with the point where they say it may not, if there's any serious buyers, because who who would want Grubhub? Like, you know, Uber, like, uh, again, shout out to Steve. He's saying, like, you know, because these companies are entirely online, you're not really getting brick and mortar um, operations not and not what you would want them. But um, you're just buying a database. And, like, how many customers does Grubhub have that, are not also on with Uber Eats or DoorDash. So like Uber Eats and DoorDash would really have no interest in buying them. They'd just be buying, you're not going to pay, what was it? 5.8 billion dollars. Yeah, no, 5.8 billion pounds, 7.3 billion dollars, you know, for a database. Nobody's going to do that. The only, somebody that would want to buy it is to buy the entire infrastructure. And if they're willing to sell it off for, like one seventh of what they paid for it. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge loss. So what do you, what do you guys think? Is anybody going to buy Grubhub or will it just wither and die or will it just become, I certainly, I certainly <laughs> hope it doesn't wither and die to be honest. <laughs> um, I think Grubhub overall has been taking a lot of L's recently as far as, their marketing campaigns, some of the uh, promotional nonsense that they've done between New York City and everything else, their marketing campaign as a whole. And unfortunately, if you're comparing the this one company to the other two, let's say Uber Eats or DoorDash, unfortunately, there's just not enough value in comparison and it's just not i don't know how long it's gonna last as a whole yeah what do you think chris it's a good time for lyft to to get into the delivery realm oh my god <laughs> i mean uh there's always talk of like doordash buying lyft and should that happen um i mean lyft is kind of that one trick pony that you know, maybe they might venture into to some sort of uh, a deal there. But I mean, other than that, you know, you're going to probably see a little bit of con consolidation between some of these companies uh, going forward, uh, just because there's quite a few and, you know, all these different options and stuff like that. So I probably going to say something will be consolidated in terms of just a little bit more. Um, but I don't know beyond that. Well, here's yeah, well, one question on that subject since you brought it up. Um, Lyft already has a white label company What for food delivery. Do you think that they would end up buying Grubhub so that way they have their own 
almost a leg in the industry. So that way they don't have to rebuild their own base in that way. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing Uber did when they bought uh, Postmates. Yeah, I mean, they're looking for market share. So that's yeah. that's the whole thing. Like if if you have, you know, let's say two percent or something in, in this, and you want to gain, you know, up to ten percent. I don't know. I'm not sure what Grubhub's market share is completely. Ten percent. If you want to try to get more market share as a company, yeah, why wouldn't you do something like that where you can consolidate uh, your your avenues of of being and then that way that way you're able to actually uh, uh get more market share almost immediately because it's it's the name the grubhub you know the people who are using it the database all of that yeah but we we've done stories about this like a month or two ago and they talked with lyft and they said they really have no interest in buying grubhub or any of those because rideshare drivers apparently really really right like doing rideshare and they don't like doing delivery i mean you do the podcast with sergio like he only does rideshare right i mean because he cleans up doing it you know mm. um so you know lyft surveyed their drivers and they found that like very very few have interest in doing delivery and actually it goes the other way around because doordash did a survey of their drivers and doordash drivers have next to no inch i think it was like five percent of the drivers mentioned they have any interest in doing rideshare and it's the other way around, like with Lyft drivers, like maybe five to 10 percent have interest in doing delivery. So, you know, they could, in theory, buy Grubhub. If they did, they would want it at like a super, super discount, like maybe half a half a billion tops. And also Lyft, if you check their stock price recently, it's been going down and down. I think last time I checked, it was like 16, 17 bucks. So Lyft just doesn't even have the capital to begin with. Yep. You know, everybody is super deep in debt. Um, hey, Tony is here. What's going on, man? By the Good way, I, Eric's here too. Um, Good morning, Eric. But I forgot to uh, say hi to him. So I don't know. I mean, this is, it's really curious because I can't think of, can you think of like an, an app on, you know, on par with like a major player like Grubhub that just completely folded? You know, the only thing I can remotely compare it to is in as far as like a, you know, dot com bubble thing would be like, and it's not even really a fair thing would be like MySpace. Remember MySpace and like oh, yeah. the early 2000s, MySpace just ruled the entire Internet. And then it's just seemed like overnight. It just kind of vanished. Yeah. I mean, it's still there. And Mark Zuckerberg, took I don't know the world. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I just can't imagine a world where like one of these apps just all of a sudden just ceases to stop, you know, stop functioning. I don't know. I mean, look at GoPuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they're, GoPuff they're, is they're a, GoPuff is in a different industry altogether. Realistically. Yeah. But still it's, you know, they're, they're closing what 22 or 23 uh, warehouses. Yeah. But that only represents like, they have like 600 something warehouses. So it's like, one third of one person that they're closing, but oh, I mean, yeah. they're still closing it. But I, I think, yeah, I agree. I think GoPuff is like way, way overvalued, and I, I don't even know how they're still around. Um, but that, that's a subject for another sermon. Let, let's move on. In fact, speaking of downsizing and all that stuff, this is from protocol.com. Everything you need to know about tech layoffs and hiring slowdowns. Will tech companies and startups continue to have layoffs? Yes. 
All right, so high-flying startups and record valuations, hire, huge hiring goals and ambitious expansion plans are now announcing hiring slowdowns, freezes, and in some cases, widespread layoffs. It's a dot-com bust all over again. This time without the cute sock puppet and in the midst of a global pandemic, we just can't seem to shake. Um, anybody get that sock puppet reference? I remember, I remember, I know what they're talking about, but I don't know if... I uh, don't uh, It was to Petco.com, I think. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Pets.com, one of those. Uh, founders and investors are preparing for what looks like an economic downturn, perhaps even a recession. Perhaps we're already in a recession. Oh, you were talking about it's not just early stage startups that are feeling the burn. Big tech companies, including Meta, Salesforce, and Netflix, have also recently announced hiring freezes or layoffs in the midst of cost cutting pressure and rising inflation, coupled with a looming bear market and rising interest rates. Rates industry stalwarts like Microsoft, upstart social media companies, Snap, and crypto newbies, Coinbase, haven't announced layoffs, but they've all slowed hiring. After poor quarterly results, the S&P 500, dominated by tech stocks, has lost over 20% of its value so far this year. The bright spot, the tech industry may be under siege, but American job seekers overall still have substantial bargaining power. What we're seeing in one sector, though a substantial one, stands in stark contrast to the rest of the economy. With U.S. employers adding 428,000 jobs, that's it, in April, more than expected according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, average hourly rates are also still continuing to grow, but still below the pace of inflation. So we have this uh, uh, little graph here, notable tech layoffs. Getter, that's the uh, the Turkish, like, GoPuff. As far as I know, they're in New York, and I don't know what other cities they're in, but it's the same ultra-fast delivery. They've laid off 44,480 employees. Uh, Gorillas, we talked about this last week, is laid off 300. PayPal, 83. Klarna, I'm not sure what that is, 700. Netflix, 150. Carvana, 2,500. And then you just kind of go over what these companies are. So, um, you know, not to sound like a broken record. I mean, we've been covering the the downturn of not just the gig economy, but the the tech sector in general. Mm -hmm. um, so that this is why I put a poll on my channel yesterday. I said, are you black pilled, white pilled, or gray pilled about the future of the gig economy? And I, I mean. I am blackpilled in the short term. I think the next year to two years is going to absolutely suck. But I think once you shake off all the the dead weight, all the, you know, like it's like a forest fire, you know, it's got to get rid of all the, the dead stuff. And then like a phoenix, you'll have a resurgence. But I mean, you got to go through those hard times to get to the good times. So I guess you could say I'm gray pilled. What do you guys if you optimistic or pessimistic, Chris, do you want to start this one? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, the, the pandemic brought the tech sector, you know, up to, to where it was. And then obviously with everything, you know, changing, shifting and, you know, the whole economic downturn, you know, consumer, uh, the index has gone down a little bit. Um, or consumer confidence, consumer confidence, um, that's gone down a little bit recently. Um, so yeah, I think these companies are just playing it smart right now, especially when it comes to, you know, if they're not doing as much business, uh, I mean, take a look at Netflix, they lost what, 7% or something of their stock when it was at an all time high to now. Um, so you're going to see a lot more, um, Uber and Lyft, you know, they've got their freezes, uh, that they're trying to do because they want to try to be profitable. Um, but yeah, I mean, the big thing is 
I think everybody's kind of tightening up those purse strings a little bit uh, to try to ride out what's going to happen uh, and try to predict if this is going to go longer, if it's going to go something shorter, depending if it's, you know, a couple of months to a couple of years or something. Um, so I think they're just kind of playing it smart and trying to make business decisions, um, especially from an industry that exploded through the pandemic and then just is tanking right now because of everything going on. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, I well, first off, we absolutely did explode through the pandemic. But that also being said, I for gig workers as a whole, from a gig workers perspective, the majority of the upswings that we experienced were not necessarily from the pandemic itself. It was from an economy that was getting a lot of that was getting more money because of all the stimulus and the fact that mm. people were just not going out as much. So people were ordering in, but they didn't have to spend as much on commuting. So therefore people could actually continue to do that. That also said for as far as the future goes, I, I would say I'm a little gray pilled. I feel like we're going to experience some, um, turmoil as far as the upcoming year or two really where we are going through a bear market and recession whatever it's officially called at the current moment and then it depends on how the and i hate to say it like this it depends on how all of these like pay up and how uncle sam decides to treat mm -hmm. the gig economy at that point yeah um there's a lot, actually, I think it, instead of saying gray pill, it's kind of like a half moon cookie, you know, like where it's chocolate on one side and yeah. on the other side. It's, it's, it's like, you got to do one and then the other. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how that's, you know, sorry to repeat myself. That's, that's how I, I kind of feel about the outlook, by the way, um, we're not doing ads on this show. Cause, uh, we're trying to get this done a little shorter than usual. So we're just going to keep rolling here. Got so it. this is a, this is a story. I'm sure uh, Chris, your friend, Harry is probably going to cover at some point. Um, first all female rideshare business in Mississippi lunch. Uh, so this is, it's kind of a short story, but I'm gonna, just going to read through this. So troublesome incidents involving women, rideshare passengers and drivers have increased enough to prompt an entrepreneur in Mississippi's capital to come up with a new business. It's a rideshare service, literally just for ladies that she hopes will mean safer transportation for women. And she said it's the first of its kind in the Magnolia State, not just in Mississippi, but the entire country, as far as I know. Lee Sullivan has been a rideshare driver in Jackson's metro area for more than six years. She did the same thing in her native New Orleans before coming to Mississippi. Every single time I pick up a female at night early morning trying to get to the airport to get home from the airport, the first words I hear are, I'm so glad it's a woman. Thank God it's a woman, said Sullivan. I'm just going to drop down a little here. Uh, for now, you'll have to call to schedule a ride with literally just ladies. Sullivan sent an app for the companies being developed. You also have to be 18 years or older to request a ride. And unlike other rideshare services, riders can request a particular driver if that driver is available. So this is it's kind of a an overview. Um, this is not you know a Tech Valley uh, type startup. It's as far as I know, it's almost like a. It's localized just to this one city in Mississippi. And yeah. I am also curious. I think we talked about this a week or two ago because um, in Australia, I think they were they were Uber was doing all female, uh, you know, drivers and riders in Australia. 
And I said, I don't know if this would play in America because of the uh, Civil Rights Act is that you can't request a man, woman, black person, white person, whatever. This also like with Instacart where customers say, I want a female shopper. And like you literally can't do that because of the Civil Rights Act. Uh, but I, I am no lawyer. Not that that needs a disclaimer there. Um, and I also wonder if uh, some shyster lawyer out there is just salivating at this because then they can just sue this person for violate. Like they're going to try to like a man is going to call them up, say, I want to ride or whatever. And be like, oh, sorry, we only service, you know, ladies. And also in the current um, woke climate, how is this going? How is this going to affect trans people? And, you know, men who became women, women who became men, or somebody who says, like, it could just be me. And I just say, well, you know, I identify as a woman right now, so give me a ride. Like, how is that going to play out? So, um, I sorry to be a negative Nelly on this. I mean, I, I, overall, I actually think it's a good idea. And I would like to see something like this, you know, be more, you know, nationwide, not just to one city. Um, you know, so, I don't know. It's, I think it's actually kind of controversial, but I think there's potential for this. So Chris, you're the, you're the real rideshare guy. And the, you know, so uh, I'd be curious. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, honestly, it's, I mean, you kind of hit it right on the head and nail right there. Um, I mean, it, it opens up a huge, huge problem when it comes to, you know, this whole trans movement and everything. And, um, you know, even just, you know, a guy who wants to even drive on the platform or, you know, use a ride, like if there's nothing available, because we've seen Uber and Lyft at times where you can't get a ride. But what happens if there's drivers there that you can? So, um, you know, denial of service and stuff like that. There, there's there's a whole can of worms that uh, you could see um, overall. You know, it's I think that we should be able to to at least um, position ourselves to say, hey, we want to take these rides, but not these rides and, or vice versa. We want to have these drivers, but not these drivers. I think that's OK in, you know, part to a point. Uh, but there's so much nuance there. There's so much um, problems. There's so many like complexities behind it. It's not just some simple, you know, black and white answer. There's 99.9% .9 gray area there. Uh, so it's just navigating those waters. Um, beyond that, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Joe? I, okay. Let me get all of the neck, like pessimistic views out of the way. So that way I could just talk about the fun stuff. Um, I can already see every single headline on the subject right now. A uh, lawyer finds a trans person to eventually sue this company for the trans person not having the opportunity to either drive or get a ride on the platform. A criminal is going to pretend to be a woman, request a ride, and then kidnap the woman with her car. Um, <laughs> they're, 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 like... There's already so like that's just two of the major things that are going to happen if you put this type of app in a major city like New York City or Miami or someplace in California where these things are just normal 
And then on the flip side of that, what are the good things that can come of this? I think, and this is something that I was thinking about recently with specific delivery drivers getting uh, getting a really good customer and the customer really likes that particular driver, should there be a certain re preference point where that customer can say, hey, I really like this driver. I would love to just continuously get this driver and then kind of put that weight on them. So that way they're higher likely to actually get that particular driver as opposed to at like some random guy they don't know. Like, is that a possibility within these apps? Yeah, I think, I think that... Go ahead. Uh, like, like I'm not the lawyer, but I, I, if you're requesting a driver out of preference just because you like them, I think that would be okay. Because you're not saying, like, I only want a white guy or I only want a man. But if you're saying, hey, I like this man or woman driver... I, I don't think that would be, you know, I think that'd be okay within the confines of the law. Yeah. Um, by the way, Brianna had a, a pretty long comment here. If it were a sector of the, a rideshare app, I think it would fare well with a little controversy. Giving women the option to have a female driver would make me less scared to take an Uber late at night. Yeah. Um, it, and I, it, it, again, I, remember in, I don't know if you guys watch BoJack Horseman, but this this idea was literally taken or was done in BoJack Horseman a few years ago where they had, they started an all female rideshare app. And then um, I forget how, like it turned out that like they need, they're like, well, we're not, we don't, there's not enough men. We don't have enough male customers. And then they started um, letting men use the app. And then it turned into the opposite where it was all men giving ride. It, I don't know. Check out BoJack Horseman. It's really funny. Um, all right. So I think we, I think we've covered this one enough. Joe, did you, you sorry, I interrupted you. Did you want to no, finish your point? No, because I think, like I said, if you had somebody specifically say, I want to see this driver more often, then that should, that is something you should have the opportunity to have. Because if a merchant has the ability to prevent somebody from coming to their restaurant, then you should also have, as a customer, have the opportunity to prefer a specific driver. Yeah, it just depends why you're um, discriminating or refusing service to them. You know, it's all yeah, the color, it's all the color of the law. You know, and also you could put put a preference on them as well. That's something that has been done with DoorDash more than once. So, mm -hmm. can you do the same thing with rideshare? I don't know if that's possible. Yep. All right. So let's keep pressing on here. This is our last like real news story here. This is from the Denver Gazette. Gazette. Shout out to Steve Johnson at Rancher Rodeo. He's in Denver. Your go-to cocktails, or I'm sorry, your to-go cocktails make it harder to enforce underage drinking laws. This is actually a really long story. So I'm just going to read some of the uh, bullet points here. During the COVID-19 pandemic, dozens of states have given a boost to struggling restaurants by allowing them to sell cocktails to go through takeout, curbside pickup, or home delivery. But the expansion of alcohol to go laws has placed a heavy burden on understaffed uh, alcohol enforcement agencies. Oh, boo-hoo which have been hard-pressed to prevent underage drinking. Before the changes, agents had to make sure servers and bartenders were properly trained, checking photo IDs, and not serving intoxicated patrons. Now agents must also check whether restaurants and bars are placing cocktails to go in the proper container with the correct labeling. They have to make sure food is being ordered with alcoholic beverages, as most states require, 
and they need to monitor whether drivers are checking IDs when they deliver orders so alcohol isn't getting in the hands of 21. Under Those under 21, sometimes it does. Last year in Virginia, for example, agents conducted a, serv- a series of decoy operations. They ordered alcohol to be delivered to underage buyers who presented IDs showing their age to be under 21. Of 52 decoy operations completed, 32 underage buyers ended up with the alcohol, mostly from restaurants, but also from grocery or convenience stores. In most cases, the driver didn't ask for an ID at all, which I don't know how that's possible. Another, uh, the driver requested an ID, but made the sale anyway. Let's skip down here a little bit. Since the start of the pandemic, at least 32 states in the uh, D.C. have taken legislative action to allow restaurants and bars to sell cocktails to go. Uh, and according to Distilled Spirits Council and Industry Trade Group, 18 states in the District of Columbia have made these changes permanent and 14 others have extended temporary measures. At least 11 states allow third-party delivery services, uh, such as DoorDash and Uber Eats, to bring cocktails to people 21 and over at home along with their food order. Some other states let them deliver just beer and wine. Some delivery companies say they are taking these issues seriously. DoorDash offers guidance for drivers and uh, a course on responsible alcohol deliveries. And if the state requires its own, they must complete that. The company spokesperson said in an email, customers who order alcohol must first upload an image of a government-issued ID, which delivery drivers then have to verify before they hand over alcohol. They also need to determine whether some someone appears intoxicated. Uber Eats also gives drivers information about how to deliver alcohol properly. And Uber spokesperson said in an email, Customers who order from the site must show the driver a valid ID. Drivers are alerted when the order includes alcohol and use the technology to scan the ID. The customer is underage, intoxicated, or not at home. The app routes the driver back to the merchant, and the person is paid using the usual fare structure. So um, kind of a mouthfeel, mouthful there, it, which I thought this was kind of not ironic, but just kind of unusual because, you know, I've been doing alcohol deliveries for like four years now. And I've never had a problem. And I've, I would say like the majority of my alcohol orders are to like boomers and Gen X. It's extremely rare that I deliver to somebody like under 30. And also like with like, you know, Grubdash Eats, Instacart, all the apps, they all have, even Walmart, if they have alcohol, the app is pretty good at giving you a heads up. And also like it won't even let you complete the delivery until you take your phone and actually scan the barcode on somebody's license. Um, I've never had a problem with a customer saying they didn't want to give me their um, license or whatever. I've had, you know, husbands use wives licenses and vice versa. Uh, The only problem is like when COVID first broke out and people, they would leave their license like taped to the door on the outside. And I'd be like, I can't, I gotta, yeah, I gotta actually see you, you know, so there was a couple issues like that, but otherwise, I haven't had any issues with uh, alcohol deliveries. Have either of you guys? Joe, you're muted. Sorry. Oh, you got to unmute your mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me specifically, I ended up having a few different experiences where customers would either be close like either underage or close to under like pretty younger looking people and i had to ask for id and then they didn't want to provide id uh boomers have told me that they didn't want to provide id like aren't don't i look old enough to you and i'm like yeah but that's not the point the point is that if i don't scan this i'm gonna get docked for it it's not about you. It's about my ability to move forward. Um, 
Sometimes they're cool about it. Sometimes they're a pain in the butt about it. One time I ended up getting, there was this food item that used alcohol as a part of the meal. And then I had to ID them because there was alcohol in the meal. And the person was 20 years old. I had to bring it back. So it's not like it doesn't happen. It happens a lot. And people think that they're entitled to not to not play by those rules. So I understand why a survey like this exists. For me, it sounds like uh, some places could be hiring. You know, if, if these uh, if these liquor authorities are stretched thin, they should probably hire. So what we talked about earlier with these uh, uh, layoffs, some people might be able to find a new job. Um, but when it comes to, you know, these delivery services and the ability to order cocktails to go, um, honestly, I think it's a great idea. But yeah, just making sure that the people are of age and it, everything I've seen always has good fail safes, meaning, yeah, you have to scan the ID in order to do it. Obviously, there's going to be people trying to get like booze or whatever it might be, and they're not supposed to. Um, they're always going to try to one up some way or some form. Um, for anybody I ever talk to, if they're trying to skirt the uh, the rules, that's on them at that point. I always say, look, go by the rules because you want to protect yourself. And not only that, on top of that, you know, you're dealing with the law here. So if they're doing sting operations like the article had mentioned, you are the one who's going to be liable. You are the one who is providing alcohol to a minor in the event that you are the one who's doing it. You do that, you're going to get in trouble. So my suggestion to you is be smart out there and don't do something like that. You had, uh, had minors try to pull one over on you? <laughs> um. No, because I the only thing for delivery I do is Spark, so okay. um, it's not really really much that I've done Uber Eats, but that was before uh, the pandemic and everything when it first came into my area. Um, mostly I do rideshare, so uh, yeah. it's usually Uber, Lyft, and then Spark now. Um, so I haven't not... really had that problem or anything, but uh, um, you know, just hearing people and their stories and stuff like that is like. You have the ability to say no. You're supposed to say no if that's the event um, that's occurring. So, yeah, it's just being smart about it. Eric, uh, our uh, number one fan, he said, I don't do alcohol deliveries. That's out of any particular reason. I, I, I think, like, if you, I know a lot of people, like I said, like in Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, in, in the comment section of my videos, they say that, like, I, they have some kind of, like either religious or philosophical objection to doing alcohol deliveries, or they just want to play it safe and they don't want to have to deal with that at all. Um, I think, you know, like if you're worried about sting operations and stuff like that, you really don't have to worry. The apps are pretty idiot proof because mm -hmm. it won't let you complete the delivery without actually scanning a valid ID. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, you can just, it's common sense too. I mean, or, you know, just, or I guess maybe like if you work late night and you're worried that you're going to be dealing with drunks and stuff like that, I can kind of understand that. But if you're, if you're not, if you like, actually a lot of the apps will let you opt out of doing alcohol delivery. So if you if you actually opt out, um, you're, you're losing out on a lot of potential, uh, you know, deliveries, especially on Instacart um, and shipped corner shop, you know, the grocery delivery apps. Um, I will say like alcohol is a lot less frequent on grub dash eats, like just with food and all that, unless it's a, 
somebody ordering from like Walgreens or CVS, something like that, which I don't know why you get beer from drugstore. <laughs> um, Around here, actually, the um, alcohol delivery from stores is actually very frequent. Uh, Drizzly outsources to DoorDash and Uber Eats out here. So it de like I definitely see why people would say I don't do alcohol, but there's so much opportunity cost that comes with that opt out. I don't know if you guys saw this in the chat. Um, if an app asks the driver to scan the driver's license, why not make that part of the user experience? So when I order alcohol, I just have to scan my ID before paying. Yeah, they mostly, I, I think all of them, they make you take a picture of your license. Or like on Instacart, you just have to put, you might not take a picture, but you just have to like put your name, your birthday, and like I certify I am over 21 or whatever. But either way, like you still have to, show your license to the driver at the door you know there's virtually no way yeah. of getting around that and i also whenever i have an alcohol delivery in fact i'll show you right here um let me see so i i i you know i'm really good about sending messages to customers so this would be the message that i send on instacart and you know it says i'm transporting your chilled products in insulated bag blah 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 but then here's the the kicker because you purchase alcohol, we will have to perform a face-to-face -face delivery as I will have to scan your ID. Thanks for understanding. You know, so mm -hmm. steal this, steal this uh, message, everybody, if you do alcohol deliveries. It just, it just gives the person a heads up, you know, that like there's no way around it. And uh, Brianna said, I think it's so we are not handling alcohol at the door. Yeah. Um. Let's move on. All right. So that was the last of our like hard news. Let's move into the the fun news here. So DoorDash reveals customers' favorite foods to order for delivery. Third-party platform released a 2022 restaurant online ordering trends report with a couple of unexpected items making the list. And this is just basically a top 10. I'm just going to go to the list. All right. So cuisines, top five cuisines in order. Number one, American. Two, Mexican. Three, Japanese, which I, I found that surprising. Four Italian, five Chinese, and coming up behind French fries as the number one most ordered item are two burrito bowls and burritos. That doesn't surprise me. Three chicken nuggets and chicken sandwiches. Four hash browns. Five cheeseburgers. How did how did pizza not make the list, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like I was looking at this, I was like, hold on, Italian is number four, and pizza's not even on the list. Like, what happened? to all of these places. In fact, pizza is probably the most lucrative for drivers. Like, how is that not on the list at that point? Uh, Chris, I know you don't really do food delivery other than Walmart, but don't you find this list a little surprising? A little I mean, bit. Japanese at number three? Yeah, I guess if you count sushi. And then seeing the Japanese, I thought Chinese and Italian would have been a little bit higher on that, but yeah. I, I don't know. But then looking through the, the food list, I'm like, that looks just like pretty much McDonald's. <laughs> so yeah. with the hash browns and the cheeseburgers and French fries. So and then Chipotle is on there with the burrito yeah. bowls and burritos. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like except for yeah, number two is burrito bowls. Everything else is basically McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, you know, fries, nuggets, hash hash browns, really? Hash browns? Because <laughs> I mean, like, brown I can see in the morning. Hash browns beat pizza somehow. Uh, yeah, I I 
I'm kind of I'm waving a, a bullshit flag on this one, or <laughs> you know, I'm saying like re- check your your math here, people who put this list together. I I think you screwed up. So anyway, I thought just that was interesting. Let's move on. We got a couple of viral videos here. I don't know if Joe did a video about this one. I yeah. it's on my list. It's definitely okay. on my list. All right. Well, here's your you get to do a trial run today. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no accountability. TikToker claims two DoorDash drivers canceled after learning she's blind. Uh, this is my first time. I don't know if you guys watch this or not, so we're just gonna do natural reaction here. I'm just gonna play the video. Uh, hopefully you can hear it. These dashers, these DoorDashers are on dying last nerve. Why are y'all so lazy? Why? Those of you who do not know me, I am blind. I lost my sight to pseudotumor cerebri, also known as intracranial hypertension, I age for short, and I developed that condition because of my birth control. So I ordered DoorDash today because yesterday was my birthday and I had a pretty eventful day. Today, I just want to relax in the house, wash my hair, whatever. Instead of going out to get my food, I ordered DoorDash and the first Dasher keeps sending me pictures. And I proceed to explain to Heather that I am blind slash visually impaired, whatever, same thing. Argue with your mammy about that. I'm not going to argue with y'all about that. Anyway, I text her and I say, hey, um, I'm visually impaired. I can't see these pictures. Um, Can you please use your words? She sees visually impaired and cancels the order. So I had to reorder my food. Baby, I'm hungry. I ain't about to do that, but I really wanted the food, so I reordered it. I immediately text the new DoorDasher, and I let them know, hey, I'm visually impaired, and this is exactly where I need you to leave my food so that I can find it. They canceled the order because I guess they didn't feel like doing that. The third Dasher, I didn't even bother to tell them I'm visually impaired because at this point, I'm very hungry, and I, I need my food. I need my food. He leaves it in the complete opposite place of where I asked him to leave it. I just... The receptionist desk at the de- what? The receptionist at the front desk in my building is very helpful. She helped me find it. She had him leave it with her because he told her it was for me, and she she knows my struggle. But she said his attitude was very nasty, and she asked him to please bring it to my front door, and he was like, "No, I'm not doing that," and set my food down and left. Like, what's going on today? Like, what is really happening? Who's <sighs> dash? Oops. Well, well. All I got to say is what an asshole, <laughs> not, not her, the drivers. Um, I've, you know, I've dealt with some blind riders when I was doing Uber and Lyft. I don't think I've ever had, um, you know, visually impaired grub dash eats customers. And also, you know, I don't know. I doubt she's watching or if somebody out there who's visually impaired is watching it's maybe to kind of get around this, which I mean, you shouldn't have to do, but. Maybe you could say my phone screen's cracked and I can't see the image. Can you just call me? Because everybody just wants text and never wants to just you know pop on the phone anymore. Um, or you could just call the driver directly. So that, that that's my only piece of advice on this. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Uh, well, first off, assuming that the customer that I this is a customer I accepted the order for you shouldn't have to like there shouldn't be a problem bringing it up to wherever like the fact that she's visually impaired is not relevant I've had friends that are visually impaired 
But my question is, like, what exactly triggered these particular people to choose not to deliver the order? Because is it really about being visually impaired or is it there? I know that there's a lot of drivers who are very particular about picking up from certain places, knowing that there it's either going to take a long time or this particular customer tends to rate poorly. Um, maybe this customer earned a reputation in her area. I just, I'm just trying to understand why visually impaired is such a problem. Yeah, I, I don't get in it. In her framework. What do you think, Chris? Well, to me, I yeah, I mean, one, we're not walking in her shoes, but then she's not walking in the driver's shoes. So her trauma, she is going to, to project that onto whatever's happening into her life. So did these drivers actually cancel because of the visual impairedness? Or did they cancel it for some other reason? Uh, and I think that's that's the, the main takeaway for me here is that's kind of, we don't know. Like, we don't know mm -hmm. why those drivers canceled. That driver could have, the first driver could have canceled because of some other reason that we don't know. The second person, you know, maybe they accepted it by accident. They, who knows? That's the whole thing. We just don't know. So, you know, unfortunately, her assuming that isn't necessarily right but then again if she is correct well that something like that shouldn't be happening because it, it's not something that in my opinion i think is is warrants you not to want to deal with them like that just doesn't make any sense to me it's like you can simply just take it up and you know yeah. if you need extra help there's there's somebody at the front door there that you could probably help you know some people are absolutely for sure lazy but other people's other drivers and that you know they're trying to get out there they're trying to hustle and they will go the extra step too sometimes on certain things so i mean there's just a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to to one side yeah we not did to a mention story. how many details that are not being mentioned here yeah like what yep. restaurant did she order from is this a restaurant that takes forever and a day to get their job done is this particular distant is the particular drive from the restaurant to the customer very long is there like like what kind of play what there's a lot that's not being said here yeah well i was gonna say remember a week or two ago we did the story about the the girl in the wheelchair that the driver left the food in the middle of the driveway and she couldn't get to it like this also goes back to what we've been saying for a long time is that because there's little to no barrier to entry to these jobs is that this is what happens when you just have you let any turd with a pulse be a doordash driver there's, there should be some kind of like ethics quiz they ask you when they when you apply you know it well, like here's put, another do this question. exact scenario you know well here's another question do people like are they actually discriminating against her for that reason or does it take playing that type of victim mentality in order to get actual support from DoorDash, from Uber Eats, from Grubhub? Because we know that the support teams are less than helpful on the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let, yeah, let's move you know, on. 
Go ahead. Uh, well, one other point I just want to make, like, not just like DoorDash or these other things, but yesterday we had Amazon Flex. Somebody delivered uh, a thing to my wife, and then there was a package that was literally going next door, and the person came to our back because we're in a corner house right now. So came to the backyard to drop off the package, then went around to the front to go next door because you got to go around the front and then went to the front door to our front door to deliver their package next door. It's like you couldn't have gone the 25 more steps to actually go there and take care of it. So, yeah, I I mean, beyond that, who knows? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's move on. We got another. Uh, TikTok. This is the first time I've seen an Instacart. I'm not sure I've seen an Instacart on here. Frozen stuff would easily have melted. Customer learns Instacart worker is shopping for three customers at once. Demand he cancel her order. So again, just going to play the video here. So I was doing an Instacart and I was doing three orders at once because that's what they assigned me. And then I get this message. I just saw the donuts were refunded. If possible, kindly replace replace donuts. Did that are you almost done literally i just started the order i have three orders i'm doing that's ridiculous what it's ridiculous you're shopping for other people cancel my order call instacart i don't know how can you deliver to me within 15 minutes just wondering how could you possibly keep the frozen and refrigerated items and cold for three shoppers they have a lot of nerve putting me with three other orders not your fault if you cannot be here in 15 minutes i must cancel i have an idea simply refund everything because i'm not calling so i said (laughs) ask instacart they assigned me three orders because i'm assuming no other shoppers are taking the orders i'm not sure what i'm supposed to do i'm the worker so like i said call instacart so then it says but it's partly cut off i don't know how much you've used instacart but it's common for us to be shopping for more than one customer at once if it wasn't, then Instacart would not have sent us the orders. I'm not calling them. Simply refund whatever is left individually as if it's out of stock. So that's where I said, I don't think I can do that. Then she says, I basically said, like, you have to call to cancel. She says, listen, I'm in the middle no, of cooking. The shopper can cancel. Down for Sunday dinner. And I said, listen, it's Sunday and I'm shopping for you and you're being rude to me. Call <laughs> Instacart. Simple end of story. Dude's then kind of a dick. She said, not calling, but I already checked out. And then I'm on my way to deliver. And here's a video I literally took of her. She wanted to act all nice. Watch. That looked like Publix bags. All right. So a few takeaways from this. First of all, the shopper can cancel uh, um, a a customer's order. It's a, well, you just have to go through the help section and start a chat with support and just say customer A, B, or C, or whatever their name is. Hey, Chris fell off. Uh, Hopefully I'll be back. Um, you can so you can just go through the the chat with support and um, say uh, 
this person wants to cancel their order and they will, they will do that for you. And you just refresh the app and you just keep shopping for the other two people. Um, but I do agree that Instacart needs to give customers a heads up, which they, as far as I know, they do not do. Um, if their, if their order is batched with one or two other, with one or two other orders, what I do is, and if you've seen some of my ride along videos where I do double and triples, I, I haven't done one in a long time, actually, is that, well, it just depends how big the order is, but usually I will shop for everything for customer A, and then I will shop everything customer B and everything customer C. And actually, here's another message. Feel free to steal this Instacart customers. Uh, I say, like, so if I finish shopping for customer A, I'll send them this one. I'm shopping a large triple batch. It may be another 10 to 20 minutes before I check out. And most people are co totally cool with it. Hey, Chris is back. Uh, yeah, sorry, I had a overheated phone. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what you what do you think? I'll give you the floor. What do you think of this? Um, just refresh my memory because I was dealing with this. Um, well, the the driver or the Inscart shopper was arguing with the customer. She didn't know that her oh, order yeah. was batched with two other people. But he was being a dick. Like he he refused to. He or either he, ref, well he refused, and also he didn't know that it was possible to cancel an individual order. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you don't, you don't do Instacart, do you? No, or, okay. <laughs> I don't like shopping for people. Um, I'm I'm not really a fan of that. But uh, it sounds like two things. It sounds like yes, he was an a hole, but it seems like she was a Karen. So especially with the way that that whole uh, uh, text had gone through. Um, so if you don't order, deliver my food 15 minutes, just cancel it, um, you know, stuff like that. But then, you know, his responses, uh, again, this is kind of one of those things where it's like, where are all the, there's not all the details there. So what are the rest of them? Um, so it seems like there's that there, you know, when it comes to, to people and they feel entitled, like you should only be taking my order. You shouldn't be taking anybody else's, just mine. You know, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, you get Uber pool and Uber shared now or whatever it is. Um, and people who come in and they think that they should be dropped off first and only the, be the only ones taken when in fact, that's not what you signed up for. You're just trying to cheap out and try to, to get the driver to do what you want when that's not the case. You know, you got to follow the protocol as is. So, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of both. It's just a lazy uh, shopper, it seems, and uh, a caring of a customer. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Joe? Do you ever I do doubles and triples on Instacart? I try everything in my power to not take doubles and triples of anything. <laughs> um, except Uber Eats, actually. Sometimes you get a really good double on Uber Eats or a batch or whatever they call it. But sometimes you get a really good one on there. Instacart not so much um i usually for if i'm gonna take an order on instacart it's gonna be a low item count with a very small store where i can literally run in grab it and then check out and go that is literally what i'm willing to do on instacart um <laughs> which says a lot about me as a gig worker but that's not the point the point is um I do agree with a point that the Karen made is that if you're going to have 
fetched orders. It shouldn't be with frozen items. I do think that's an inherent risk you take when you're dealing with Instacart is where you're going to risk getting your orders batched with somebody else, whether it's a person who's got a good order, who also tips or does not have a good order, which is host and leech. Not the point. The point is that's something that the customer just needs to be aware of. And I don't think Instacart does a great job or any of these gig apps do a great job communicating that upfront. Now, as far as the way he acted, I mean, dealing with support is a nightmare, but it's still your obligation as a gig worker to contact support. Do like, this is what the customer wants. If you need to send screenshots of the conversation, just do that. In yeah. fact, I think the chat support agent actually has access to the conversation you guys are having. So it shouldn't be that big a deal. Mm. But then again, some Instacart shoppers don't even know how to do that. Yeah, and also Instacart makes it so difficult to actually start a chat with somebody because you have to go through like so like all these automated responses first and you have to know like the answer so that you have to keep hitting like other. This doesn't answer my question other, you know, uh, yeah. until you can actually get to a representative. One thing I like about Corner Shop as terrible as the app is, I mean, the pay is great compared to Instacart, but Corner Shop, in like if you want to start a chat with the support, it's right there. Like every single order has their own uh, support chat agent. So it's just basically you're one or two taps away from starting a chat and you don't have to go through all these hoops of answering all these uh, pre, uh, you know, yes or no questions or does this answer yeah. and all that stuff. So. Um, also, you know, a lady was being kind of a Karen and also this goes back to what we talked about last week. Now that Instacart has the ability for, uh, shoppers to block customers because as soon as, you know, as soon as that dude completely order and say, how did it go? He would have gave it a thumbs down and then say, you know, block customer. So I assume that this, that's what happened. Although that video could have been months old. Who knows? Hmm. Anyway, um, Oh, oh, there was a, a comment from Brianna on here. I would have canceled her order once a customer gets through in the chat. I pretty much don't want to deliver. We rely on tips too much on Instacart to be shopping for dissatisfied customers. Yeah, I agree with that. Although they did change the algorithm so that, you know, if you get a low rating or the customer is prone to rate shoppers low, it won't really affect you as much anymore. Um, I don't know if you guys watched that dude in Texas, Aphid Cart. He does mostly Costco orders. And he said ever since they changed the algorithm, like he's he's like not he's getting hardly any orders at now or he's just you know he's making way less money than he used to so mm. um we got we got two local news stories and they're both like good stories so um this is actually not too far from me this is Ebor City is in uh, is in Tampa so Uber driver helps passenger safety after Ebor City shooting the chaos after shots were fired in Ebor City over the weekend. This video is from an Uber driver who jumped into action to help get people to safety. ABC Action News reporter Mary O'Connell spoke to that man about this incident. Thad Torrance was in Ebor City working as an Uber driver, getting ready to pick some people up when suddenly... Do an Uber in a truck? What is unquestionably the sound of gunfire. Torrance's dash cam was rolling at that very moment 
You can see here as people start to scatter. Good thing in a dash cam. Worried for the passengers. Tampa police say around 3 a.m. Sunday, several shots were heard from a parking lot at the intersection of 7th Avenue and 15th Street. Well, I messaged the uh, young lady who has hired the Uber, and I just said, the, you know, this is where I am. We need to get you in this vehicle now. It's not safe to be here. It's time to go. Um, and at first, you know, she messaged and said, hey, we're locked inside the Ritz. They won't let us out. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I have daughters. As this was happening, Torx's dash cam captured the moment passengers piled into his car to get to safety. That was honestly terrifying. When the pickup group was finally able to get to his truck, Torx told them to put as many people as they need in his car to get away from the area. Can we shove everyone in because we, we want to get them out of the Torx says over the last 28 years, he spent most of his life as a paramedic and flight paramedic, and for about 10 of those years, he was a police officer too. You can and tell from his haircut. Something else kicked in. First, be a good human. It feels good to do good, so do good things. Help these people. Uh, the, the next thing was probably dad. I am a dad, and dad mode right away kicked in. A dad doing his best to help get people home. In Ybor City, Mary O'Connell, ABC Action News. All right. Um, you know, good good on this dude for, you know, getting these people to safety. I thought his name is pretty cool, Thad Torex. Doesn't that sound like a superhero name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, you're the rideshare expert. Uh, what would you have done if you were in that situation? Uh, you know what? Hey, good for him. Um, sticking around there, making sure everybody got safe. Uh, so good for him on that one. Um, beyond that, um, I mean, it, it's going to be depending on on the driver. I mean, some people are going to say, "Hey, something's going on. I got to get out of here." Others are going to to you know try to play hero and you know being a cop. That training is taken into effect there, uh, especially since he's got more training uh, than the average person. So he's probably able to, to handle certain situations in a much better situation than an average person is. Uh, so that is a good thing there. So, hey, good for him being in the right place at the right time, arguably, I guess you could say. So uh, at least he helped make sure those people got home safe. My, my only uh, concern would be that he said, you know, get as many people in the car as possible, which if he's mm -hmm. on the Uber ride, if you have more than like, I mean, it's a pickup truck. So, I mean, I assume he's like, it's maxed out at four uh, riders, you know, it's not a minivan where you can get up to what, five or six people in there. Um, you know, what if he had gotten into an accident and then he was over the yep. capacity yep. limit? I'd be, I'd be curious to see what would have happened. I, I, I think Uber, would have just totally denied this claim, you know, you're sorry, you exceeded the seatbelt requirement or whatever. So anyway, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's the absolute risk that you'd have to take. So, um, I mean, it's always going to be one of those catch 22s when it comes down to this situation like this. So, um, I mean, he did a good thing when it came to it, but when it came to like the law, when it came to liability, when it came to, you know, insurance companies and things like that, they're going to have a whole different different perception because they're going to look at it, you know, straight cut. There were more people in the car than what we're supposed to be, whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, you always take that risk in these types of situations. So um, it's just something that he's got to, got to, um, you know, kind of weigh the options when he's there. Mm -hmm. Anything to add, Joe? <laughs> I think the fact that he was a police officer 
had a lot more weight to it than, let's say, someone like me who has had no law enforcement experience, period. So he can literally just flash a PBA card or a badge, and the cop would kind of tilt things in their favor in the event something would actually happen. But I, I doubt that that this would end up being an issue in the long term if there was no other situation. Like the fact that his dash cam caught a very serious situation. Yeah. And this might and him putting it on the news. Let's assume that he's the one who sent it to the news station. If he didn't do that, he was that was more of a risk not doing that on a public level than actually. Let's say he just chose to say nothing and be a quiet hero in that way. Also, good on this dude for having a dash cam, and it looked like his internal dash cam had some kind of night vision mode on it. So, I mean, Chris. You know, how many times have you, Harry, me, all that say, if you're doing rideshare, you need, 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 need a dash cam, especially on the inside. Um, so, yeah, good on this dude. Anyway, yep. let's move on. One last story here. This is another kind of uplifting one from Indy100.com. Badass delivery driver rescues woman and her dog from savage attack during drop off. And it's, it looks like it's up here, but it's down here. So um, play this. I don't know if there's sound on this or not. In the subdivision of Las Vegas, this homeowner and her neighbors have just noticed a dog walking off leash in the street. I got him. Trying to get this to go full screen. The wandering pit bull over, and he seems friendly enough. It's not mine. Her smaller dog, named Max, comes out to say hello with a customary dog butt sniff. <laughs> Without warning, the pit bull snaps and tries to bite down on Max. The homeowner desperately tries to keep Max out of the pit bull's jaws, even putting herself at risk of being bitten. Max is less than half the attacking dog's size. A single bite could prove to be fatal. Suddenly, a hero appears. A package delivery driver puts herself between the attacker and its victims, giving them an opening to run safely inside. No! No! Thanks to this delivery driver, Max and his owner escape with only minor cuts and scratches, proving that not all friendly neighborhood heroes wear capes. Some wear delivery vests. You're a bad dog! <laughs> Alright, um... I've never really had too bad of encounters with dogs what is that oh chris i think that's here um but yeah this uh this is a good reason why actually i should have read it you could tell that was an amazon driver from the vest and they have pockets in them and i have this is this is just a pepper spray that I actually keep in my vest pocket exactly for situations like this. Um, every once in a while, you know, people, especially when I deliver out in the country, they have dogs, they just let free range. But every once in a while, like you're going to deliver a package and like somebody's door, their front door is open and like a dog sees you. And depending how big it is, like they'll push the door open 
this has happened on me where like it, it wasn't a pit bull it was just a big dog and they just like jumped up on me and then the owner came and got him i didn't get injured or anything but um yeah so have either of you guys had uh run-ins with the uh, gnarly dogs like this i personally have never had a dog end up hurting me in any way like this on delivery i'm very thankful to say that in fact i don't want to have that experience um but that being said i definitely understand why you would want to have some kind of tool on you to prevent that pepper situation spray. yeah pepper spray and pepper spray will work on dogs yeah yeah in order to protect yourself so i definitely see the value in that do you uh either of you guys carry pepper spray in your pocket or on your in your car or anything like that it's it's legal for concealed carry in all 50 states i plead the fifth <laughs> <laughs> i plead the fifth as well actually all right everybody go on amazon right now you can get a three pack for ten dollars it'll it lasts forever well, actually, it has a. It's funny. It actually, has an expiration date on here, but I don't know. It's like that's because it, it, like it's pepper, so like technically it's food. I mean, I wouldn't spread this on your burrito or anything, but uh, it's probably like the the pressurized gas in there or whatever. That's uh, mm. uh, hey, Brianna said uh, I had a dog chase my car down the street during delivery. Luckily, he gave up before I got to the house. I wear pepper spray all day. Yeah, smart. Like I said. Pepper spray is legal for concealed carry in all 50 states, especially if you're doing Amazon, because the difference between doing Amazon and Grubdash sheets or Instacart is that the customers don't necessarily know you're coming. But like when you're about to bring them their pizza or their burrito or their cheeseburger, they're expecting you. So hopefully they're smart enough to put their dog in the backyard or, you know, uh, just somewhere out of the way. But, you know, when, especially in the middle of the day when nobody's home, you're just dropping off a package. Um, you know, you want to, it's not so much that you want to protect yourself against people with guns who think you're trespassing. It's, it's just dogs who think you're an invader, you know? So, uh, yeah, everybody check out, I'll put a link. Well, actually in every single one of my videos, there's a link to my Amazon store. And in one of the, uh, the stores within the store, there's a, uh, you can, I have a link to, uh, getting a, it's like a three pack of pepper spray. I think it was like 10 bucks. might be a little bit more now, but anyway, uh, like I said, about wraps it up for this show. Um, you guys have anything, uh, to plug coming up like, uh, or that you just did, Chris, I'll let you go first. What's anything coming up or, um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, check it out, make sure, uh, real ride share stories, my channel, and then. I do videos on the rideshareguide uh, as well. And then we do our weekly live stream uh, mm. with Sergio and myself. Show me the money. That's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific. So make sure you head over there and check us out, too. Cool. Joe, what do you got in the queue? I have a I'm per I have a lot of content that comes out of my channel. Driven Wild, W-Y-L-D. Uh, we have daily uploads, live streams at Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we have pretty much a poll and a short that comes out every single day. Cool. So feel free to check it out. Yep. I put links to both of your channels in the show notes. So if you're not watching these guys, I highly recommend you do. 
All right, so this was a good show. And it's funny, I wanted to, I thought we were going to finish in an hour because I actually cut a bunch of stories. But um, yeah, we're still still going 80 minutes. One of these days, we'll get it down to uh, 60 minutes or less. <laughs> Eric said, excellent show. Thanks, man. Thanks for watching. All right, and as always, this is available as on all po audio podcatchers. So if you don't want to sit here and watch, you know, listen on Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So, all right, thanks for watching, and I will be back on Monday night with Hannibal. Until then, keep hustling. Bye, everybody. <laughs>